0: Welcome to the Connect Church podcast. Our mission at Connect Church is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information on who we are and how we're doing just that, visit myconnectchurch.cc.
1: Now, let's jump into this week's message from Pastor Blaine.
0: We're uh, working our way through hope being born and not just in a stable, but that that kind of gives the the stable is kind of the first fruits of this continued work of hope that Jesus does. I mean, the, the Jews have been looking for thousands of years for the hope of the Messiah. And uh, and so Jesus' birth is the beginning of the promise being answered. And so, you know, there will be a little bit of redundancy. You've been hearing me talk about this. The Lord has taught me a lot about these things over the course of the year. And so, you know, not to, not to be redundant, but I do want to make sure that we understand how some of these things work together. And so hope occurs, you, you can experience hope now, but it's in anticipation of the future. So your current beliefs impact your current feelings, and those feelings impact your anticipation about the future. What you think now affects what you think about the future, This is why remembering God's faithfulness in the past is so incredibly important. And living for the moment isn't the best thing we can do, but remembering what God has done and God's faithfulness. And there's some things that we can only understand and see clearly when we look through the drive-through mirror. And we look back and we see how God has been faithful. So when your faith is in yourself that's where your hope will be. But when your faith is in Jesus Christ, that's where your hope will be. It's very important for us to understand how to sustain hope and not get caught up in the events of a moment or a circumstance. So when your faith is in Jesus, your hope is in Jesus. So for a moment, I want you just to consider your future. I want you to think about what lies out there ahead. Some people experience dread, fear, worry. Others are satisfied to simply just put a block up and live only in the moment without any consideration of the future, often irrationally numbing themselves to squelch whatever voice is out there in the future, and therefore not living in the future and certainly not living in the present either. Others, though, are filled with hope because they have experienced the faithfulness of Jesus and they trust that because he has been faithful, he will continue to be faithful. What he has done, he will continue to do. The word remember is actually found 148 times in the Scripture. And it's a very important word because God knows how easily it is for us to forget what he has done. And so there are often these memorials established so you can look and you can see God's faithfulness. You can remember what God has said, remember what God has done, and to tell them to your kids and from a generation to the next generation how important it is to draw back on God's faithfulness
1: because it impacts the way you walk when you're in the wilderness. He commands us to remember God
0: wants to be examined. And whatever it is that you've been through, God wants you to be able to go back and to see how he has orchestrated things. And I know that there are things that you go through that in the moment you're like, where is God? Why, why am I going through this? Why is God allowing this? But I'm telling you, if when you get through it, when it comes to pass and you look back, you will, you will be able to see if you want his glory that if it hadn't have been for these things, it couldn't be these things. God wants us to look back and see his faithfulness. In fact, I think sometimes we go through difficulty so that we will look back and remember and have hope. And if you're a Christian, you have to retrain
1: your brain or train it to remember God's faithfulness. The same word that God
0: tells us to use, uh, to remember is the same word he uses of himself when he remembers his faithfulness. And so, you know, if God remembers for us, I know a lot of people really feel like, you know, if When it comes to remembering, God's going to do that work and God's going to put those thoughts in your head. But as we've already seen, that's a work that we have to do, a work that we have to count our blessings, that we have to be grateful. We have to go back and re-examine God's faithfulness. If God did it for us, it couldn't lead to hope.
1: It would lead to entitlement. It would lead to laziness. It wouldn't lead to growth.
0: So when you think about the future in your own life regarding family, job, finance, achievement, relationships, you know, what is it that you're anticipating? Is it a dread? Is it a worry? Is it a fear? Or are you able to take those thoughts captive and remember God's faithfulness, therefore have hope that the God who has is the God that will? In the Gospel of Luke, we come across two Two people uh, who make their first appearance in Scripture in the very last moments of the Christmas story. I don't even know if it's. I guess it's the, I guess it's still the Christmas story. It's still in Luke chapter two, but they don't appear in any nativity scenes. You will never see these two in uh, in a nativity scene in a yard or even on a, a Christmas card. Or I don't think. I don't think maybe you will. Um, I've not seen one. But they are significant players in what Jesus is going to do in the future in his life. And both of these individuals are found at the temple and they're anticipating something. Anticipating someone. So let's begin reading in verse 22. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up, Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to uh, to the Lord. that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. and She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was eighty-four. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So since Luke tells us, and I'm gonna give you just a little bit of a, a narrative here. Luke tells us that Mary and Joseph is offering a sacrifice keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves, Or two young pigeons. So what we know here is that Mary is performing the ceremony for the purification after childbirth. In Leviticus chapter 12, it says a woman who gives birth to a son will be considered ceremonially unclean for seven days. On the eighth day, the boy is to be circumcised, and he was. Then the woman must wait for 33 days to be purified. When the day of her purification for a son or a daughter are over, she is to bring to the priest at the entrance to the tent of meeting a year-old lamb for a burnt offering and a young pigeon or a dove for a sin offering. If she cannot afford a lamb, she is to bring two doves or two young pigeons, one for a burnt offering and the other for a sin offering. So we know what this is, what's going on here with Mary and Joseph, that Jesus is seven days old plus 33 days old, 40 days old at the time of this ceremony. I can't help but think that 40 goes forward to this time, this 40 days of waiting for Jesus to be dedicated in his life um, probably correlates some way to the 40 days of Jesus's purification uh, and, and testing in the wilderness before he was dedicated into ministry. So Luke uses a word of anticipation that identifies them waiting with anticipation, an anticipation for the coming Messiah or Savior. It literally means to be alert to the presence. And so Simeon happens to be here on this day at this time and is living with an alert to the presence of the Messiah, ready to welcome him, filled with expectation. Expectation. We see that word in Luke chapter 2 verse 25 in reference to Simeon where it says he was waiting. And in verse 38 describes Anna who was looking forward to the word waiting. Simeon waiting for the consolation of Israel. Consolation is the word paraklesis which means para being beside and kaleo meaning called. This word paraclesis means to be called to one side. And what Simeon is waiting on is for that one who has been called from God to Israel's side to comfort them, to console them, to encourage them, to bind them up because they were a wreck. Simeon was waiting in daily anticipation for God to answer the cries of Israel. And Jesus is the one. Jesus was coming to walk life out alongside Israel, to show them, to fulfill the law, to demonstrate to us, but also to give his life to us. And then as Paul said in 2 Corinthians five eighteen, Jesus has given us the ministry of reconciliation and to enable us for that role, he has given us his Holy Spirit The Greek word is the paraclete, the comforter, the one who comes and walks alongside us. So Jesus came alongside us in the flesh so that he could mediate and advocate to the Father on our behalf as our kinsman redeemer. Hebrews 4.15, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. That means with no reservation, let us freely go before him because he walks alongside of us that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This is what good Jews were waiting for. This was the next thing that had to happen on the radar. This is what Simeon was waiting for for the door to the Father to be unlocked. And finally, Jesus is here to unlock it. Finally, there is access to the Father without a priest. A personal relationship. Things weren't going really well for the nation of Israel. As a people, they hadn't heard from God in over 400 years. They hadn't had a direct message from Him, even through a prophet. Most had begun to lose their sense of wonder, their sense of expectation. Fewer and fewer were they that were holding on. Israel was under Roman rule at this time. They had completely lost their political independence and they were no longer living in
1: anticipation that God would what God had done. Many of those who still did believe in God's promises were giving up hope. You know, that's a
0: terrible thing to lose. Your hope determines what you live for. Your hope determines
1: your purpose and your direction. When you lose hope only because you've lost faith, and you lose
0: faith because you have forgotten to remember who God is and what God does. And once you lose faith and hope, you forfeit your ability to love in the moment. If faith looks back and hope looks forward, faith, hope, and love. When you when you when you remember God's faithfulness and you count on God's faithfulness and that gives you hope, you are free in the moment to love. And if you lose your hope, it's because you've lost faith. If you lose your faith, you live ragged and harassed and fearful and worried, and you begin to anticipate the worst. And you begin to shrink away and you lose purpose and you lose direction. And you begin to get angry and grumble and complain and short-tempered and everything begins
1: to spiral out of control. Life becomes dark, empty, lonely, guilt-ridden, shameful, seclusion, Verse 26 shows us that Simeon had good reason for this
0: hope. I mean, I think if, if Simeon had... I mean, if we, if we had experienced what Simeon had experienced, I think maybe our lives would be a little different. Look what happened. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. That's pretty good. He's Simeon, the Holy Spirit says. You're not going to die until the Messiah is born to you. Well, I mean, the Holy Spirit has spoken, right? So Simeon is believing what the Lord has said. I won't die. So I'm living in constant anticipation. <laughs> when I have something to draw back on, when, I'm, when I go to the temple and I'm, and I'm going home for the night and he didn't come today either, I might go, I don't think he's ever coming. But no, you know, I know what the Holy Spirit told me. So I'm going to get up in the morning and I'm going to go again. That's what happens in the life of Simeon. When you focus on what God has done, you can anticipate what God will do. Now, Simeon's expectation was focused on the healing that Jesus would bring when he brings his presence. When Jesus brings his presence, Jesus brings his healing. Simeon is holding on to Isaiah 61. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But think about this message that Simeon has to reveal. Hey, I'm an old man, and the Messiah will be here before I die. That's quite a message, isn't it? Jesus is coming. Now, I know a minute ago we gave ourselves a break and said, well, yeah, if the Holy Spirit told me Jesus was coming, I'd be able to get up every day and remember my purpose too. Well, I've got great news for you.
1: Jesus is coming. And the Holy Spirit has revealed this to you. So every day when we get up, we can remember what the
0: Holy Spirit said. And at the end of the day, when we say, boy, things aren't going quite the way I think. But you know what? I remember what God has done. And I'm telling you, if we begin to live that way, we would be able to experience personal revivals in our life every day. Remembering what God has done gives us hope to get up in the day and say, today, my life will be anticipation of Jesus Christ. And whether he comes through the eastern sky or whether he comes through my window or whether he comes through his word, Jesus' presence is going to bind me together today. He is going to console me and heal me and move me. But only if we remember what he's done. And only if we're holding on to what he was has promised to do. Of course, Jesus was born, and but in that, that birth, that didn't fulfill his consoling ministry. It just gives hope to his consoling ministry. It was Jesus's entire life that is fulfilling the consolation of Israel. Just, if you begin to watch Jesus, you'll begin to see who Jesus gravitates toward. You say, well, he had a strong man like Peter. Yeah, Peter was a wreck. I don't know what kind of guy he was. I don't want to speak ill of him one day. I'll... I'll meet him, and I don't want to have to say I'm sorry. But I know this, just because he's strong doesn't necessarily mean that he's right. Jesus is always looking at the least likely candidates to say, follow me. When you look at Jesus, you see him around sinners and publicans and the people that everybody, every, all of us would say they're not one of us. That's who Jesus gravitates toward. Why? Because he's the consolation of Israel and a light unto the Gentiles. He's not trying to be popular. He's not compromising his values so that he can fit in wherever he goes. He forfeits it so that he can reveal the light until everywhere that he goes and to everyone that he sees. Look at his life. He is the consolation of Israel, the binder of the broken. In fact, Isaiah 61, this is what Isaiah says concerning the Messiah. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, to release from darkness for the prisoners. This is the ministry of consolation, to come alongside, to be beside, to walk alongside Seven centuries later, 700 years after Isaiah wrote this in chapter 61, Jesus began his public ministry after his 40 days of testing in the wilderness. He opened up the scroll of Isaiah and he read the very prophecy that I just read. And then after he read it, he said, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The broken that word means those who have become weakened over time, crushed, destroyed in spirit. The word describes those who feel spiritually bankrupted, those who are needy, those who are helpless, who cannot do it on their own, those who have come to the end of themselves, the broken hearted. These are the people that Jesus gravitate toward. They yearn for the Lord's comfort, for His help, for their salvation, even though they may not know where it's coming from. That verb, to bind up, in the original language means to give hope to, to encourage. It comes from a a medical word which means to bandage. It means to find the wound and to treat it to healing. In Isaiah 61 and also in Luke 4.18, the focus of that message of the good news is that Jesus is
1: bringing restoration wherever he walks. The brokenhearted people, the spiritually ruined. Listen, and I don't know where we all are
0: in this today, but if you were at the end of yourself, I've got great news for you if you are damaged physically, emotionally, spiritually, I have got great news for you. That's why Jesus came. For those of you who are put together, who have everything, who've orchestrated your life to the place where you have no issues, to quote Jeff Probst on Survivor, I got nothing for you. Congratulations. You've made it. Jesus is only able to bring new good news to the salvation of salvation to the poor, the needy, and those who know they are spiritually broken. To everybody who's been corrupted by sin qualifies for the consolation of Jesus Christ. Without Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, we're all destined to death and to eternal torment. But Jesus came and I love the idea of this little baby Jesus in the stable, but the consolation of
1: Israel is found nailed to a cross where he walked it out, not with us, for us.
0: And then he gave himself to us to walk alongside us the rest of our days. Accepting his consolation is our greatest need. But the problem is, as we live in a world where we don't want to recognize our need We don't want to admit that we're spiritually bankrupt, that we're completely lost and broken. We don't want to accept that we need healing. If you look at 1 Peter 1, verse 3, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Our hope's not found in a stable. Our hope is found... The reason we trust the cross is because of the stable. We can look back and see what God has done, but it's the cross of Jesus Christ that sets us free. I think Jesus understands what it means to be brokenhearted. Again, Isaiah 53, He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering, familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely He took up our pain, bore our suffering, yet we considered Him punished by God, stricken by Him and afflicted. But He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on Him.
1: And by His wounds, we are consoled. We are healed. We are bandaged to health.
0: You know, the one thing, and for those of you, this is your first Sunday or maybe the first few Sundays, I hope that you will feel a part of the family. Uh, church has, over the last few years, I've noticed, maybe you have, uh, it's a lot easier to be independent, you know, to church be a place that you attend instead of a place that you belong. So I want to encourage you to be a, a part of the family and not just this is the place you go for content but it's a family that you belong to. It's very, very important to be a, a part of one another. I say all of that to so simply say this. Uh, the one thing that we have in common as a family is that we identify as broken. The thing that we have in common, I think a lot of people miss this as a church, is like, well, I couldn't go to church because I'm, I'm not all put together. Or when, when these things happen, then I'll, then I'll be able to belong. And I'm telling you, the thing we have in common is that we're broken and we need consolation of Israel in light of the Gentiles. So if you're here today and you feel like you don't fit in, you need to just tweak your mind just a little bit. I mean, don't tweak it like that. Tweak it like we used to tweak it. Just change the way you think a little bit and welcome to the family. And we're going to try to encourage each other in the consolation of Israel, the light to the Gentiles as Jesus walks it out with us. The one thing we have in common is physically, emotionally, and spiritually.
1: We need his presence. I have good news. He is with us. He is Emmanuel. Matthew
0: even bookends his book. His name shall be Emmanuel, which is God with us. Jesus said, and I'll be with you to the end of the age. That promise of his presence is powerful because his presence brings healing. When Simeon looked at the baby, now about 40 days, six
1: weeks old, he, uh, he knew that God's promises have been kept. Verse 28 of Luke 2 says, Simeon reached
0: down. I'm just picturing this in my mind of this. I don't know how protective Mary is. I mean, I, I really don't know because I could see it both ways. I could see Mary saying, what in the world are you going to do to stop them? Like, like? no, don't get him sick. I mean, I don't know if she's thinking that way or not. No, he, he's a precious commodity. Don't, don't get near him. Or if she's saying, listen, you can't, you can't damage the son of God. I don't know which side she's on. So, but I, here's what I know Simeon does. He just reaches down and grabs her from this new mama and just holds him and praises God for what God has done. And he broke into praise and he acknowledged that God had not only fulfilled the individual promise to him, but the promises of all the prophets to send the Anointed One to draw near the Jews and the Gentiles. The other person waiting was Anna. Boy, my heart goes out to Anna. Her husband had died many years ago and she had dedicated herself completely to the Lord. In fact, the Bible says that she never left the temple. She worshiped there day and night. Fasting. She looked forward to the exact same person as Simeon was, but has a little bit of a different orientation to it. Instead of looking for consolation and healing, Anna was looking for forgiveness. Her conversation had been waiting for redemption. This wounded widow waiting for redemption. Waiting to have another chance. Look at verse 38. And coming up that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. That word redemption is a word that goes all the way back to like captivity. That's what the word means is to be brought. Redeemed means to be brought out of being stuck or captivity. The Old Testament Passover and the release of Israel from Egypt was was the primary, ultimate redemption for every Jew. That's what they go back to and begin to think. That's the the symbol of God's power to release captives. And so Passover is going to point ahead to the day when God would provide deliverance from the slavery, not to Egypt, but of sin. And Anna was not a physical slave, but she had been through her own fear and her own mental captivity.
1: She'd been a widow most of her life The life that she was hoping to live, when she was a young bride, would not
0: be. She looked at the pain of the past. She was looking for somebody to deliver her from that pain. And when Anna saw Jesus, she gave thanks to God. And anybody who was waiting for redemption, she was pointing them to Jesus. Here at last is the one that will save all of us from our sin from our pain, from our loneliness, from our fear, from our guilt, from our shame, from our spiritual captivity. In Simeon and Anna's anticipation, we have a Savior who's coming alongside sinners and redeeming them. I love this, that the Son of God is now here, the Messiah, to walk alongside of us in our sin to redeem us from sin the two best things that I could think of to anticipate
1: is, is, does Jesus care and will he forgive me? Good news. He does. He has. He will. In verse 33, when Mary and Joseph, man, can you imagine this young couple <laughs>
0: trying to process everything that's happening. You know, verse 33 says they were in wonderment. They marveled at what was said about Jesus. I don't know why. Maybe they just were the freedom of this stranger. Some of you have had kids and you go out and you're like, I can't believe that person felt so comfortable saying that to me. Uh, maybe that's what they're marveling at. I'm not sure. Maybe they're saying to themselves, you know, for 40 days we've been waiting to present him to the temple and really the last people we were around much were the you know, the circumcision and before that were the shepherds. I mean, we haven't had a chance for this to be ratified. And here we are going to, pardon the illustration, to church for the very first time. And the first people we see are saying, hey, you were right. The shepherds were right. The angels were right. They're ratifying this.
1: I don't know why they're marveling, but they are marveling at these things in wonderment. Just wonder if, when we think about, when we hear the words of Simeon and Anna,
0: they're no less true today than they were then. We see the hear the testimony of God's people into each other of God's faithfulness and God. I just wonder if hearing the testimony about Jesus Christ fills us with wonderment
1: anymore. Wonder, marveling be able to stir the mind over and over and over and
0: over and over again just wonder I feel like maybe we have forgotten how to marvel at the Lord especially during Christmas
1: time the story has become so familiar we've forgotten it. that Jesus comes alongside us that he redeems every need that we have,
0: that he's been faithful in the past, and that promises a faithful future. And when we're filled with fear and worry, it's because that's what we see when we look backward, when we have disgust and disappointments, because that's what we're looking at. Because I'm telling you, whatever you're looking at is what your hope will
1: be filled with, your future will be filled with. If you see anxiety and worry, it's because your faith's misplaced. It will rob you of
0: the ability to love today. And when you can't love, you can't testify of God's goodness. You can't tell those who are waiting for the redemption
1: of their sins, the good news. You can't marvel at what the world is saying about Jesus It's gonna be a real dangerous time for admirers of Jesus. Sometimes we just get immunized to the story of the Redeemer. Verse 27 says, Simeon was moved by the Spirit. Garp down to verse 38.
0: Anna's coming up to them at that very moment. She gave thanks to God. You see this expression of obedience. The Holy Spirit moves them and they respond. You begin to see this in all of the Christmas... Uh, don't want to say characters. What am I going to say? Players, people in the story of Christmas. Everybody is obedient to the Spirit. Mary, may it be to me as you said. Joseph did what the angel Lord had commanded and took Mary home as his wife... The shepherds, let us go to Bethlehem and see the thing that has happened. The wise men saw the star and they were moved to obedience and moved toward Bethlehem. Even the star itself moved into place. Everything
1: is obeying. Everything is obedient in this story except for Herod, by the way. (laughs) Verse 34, I'm almost finished.
0: This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in
1: Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against. Well, I mean, this is a sweet old man.
0: But this is not a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year kind of a thing to say. This is a pretty hard thing to say to this. Listen, your son, boy, it's going to be a roller
1: coaster ride. Christmas is never going to be merry and the new year will never be happy until people surrender their lives to Jesus. That's,
0: that's what Simeon is saying. It's, it's a prophecy. Since Jesus has entered the world, he has divided the human race. And Jesus is going to cause the falling and the rising of many. Because of who Jesus is and because of what Jesus came to do, he forces people to make a decision about him. You cannot be neutral on Jesus. You will fall or you will rise. The Bible uses very powerful imagery about Jesus being a rock that you build on. That's the sense of rising. Where Jesus is the rock that you stumble over. That's the meaning of the falling. Jesus is calling each of us to a moral spiritual decision and based upon our willingness to adore him and
1: admire him and obey him will either rise or fall. Verse 38, Anna, she gave thanks to God and spoke about, listen to this, both
0: of these people, when they came into contact with Jesus, the shepherds, when they came in contact with Jesus, the first thing they wanted to do was to share what they were
1: learning with people. Marveling at the Lord, moved by the Holy Spirit, and given the message of reconciliation to the Father.
0: Jesus' birth was very special in that it proved the promise, but his life was the ultimate proof. I want to read a passage of Scripture here in closing.
1: And I want you to hear the consolation of Israel and the light to the Gentiles. John
0: chapter 8 verse 3. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who'd been caught in adultery and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the very act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? And this they said to him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his
1: finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and he said to them, You know what he said. Let him without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And By the way, there was only one there that day that had no sin. And once more, he bent down and wrote on the ground. But I'd love to know what he wrote, by the way. Or probably I don't want to know. When they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones.
0: And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one,
1: Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. The consolation and redeemer of people. Jesus exemplified the coming alongside, the broken, the crushed,
0: the embarrassed, the guilty, the shamed, the forgotten, the wounded, the traumatized, and provides redemption to those who will welcome His presence. Let's pray together. Lord, hope is born. Last week we talked about how you give hope to the weary. This week you give hope to the broken. We, Lord, remember that we are have been broken, and you have redeemed. We thank you, Lord, for the hope that we have. And and today, Lord, we admit that we're not nearly as hopeful as we ought to be. We no longer marvel at you. We no longer are moved to obedience. We excuse it. We justify our disobedience. And yet we still call ourselves admirers. We still claim to adore you. We no longer testify of the message of what you've done in our life. We're no longer speaking to those who need rescued. In Some strange way we still claim to believe. And yet our hope is not full. So Lord, today I pray through your spirit that you would remind us, help us to remember to take just a moment to think back of what you have brought us through and may that fill us with joy and may that fill us with love. May we learn to appreciate in even more great ways what you have done so that we can anticipate what you will do. Not only have you kept the promise of being born, but you have given us a chance to be reborn. Before we continue and your heads are still bowed and your eyes are still closed, I want you just to pray where you are for a moment. I just want you to consider what your hope is in. Consider the way you process how the future is going to work out. And that will tell you what you're trusting in. Not believing the best, but believing Jesus. Trusting Jesus. Looking back and seeing Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior. You've never accepted Jesus as your Lord. Maybe you're trusting him with your sin, but you're not trusting him with your future. Will today you make that decision to trust him. Will today, the day that you put your hope in him, the proof of that is in the way that you're able to love him and each other. if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior and you want to, to talk about that, you've never allowed Jesus the Lordship of your life before you leave this place today, come, I'll be right down here. I want, I want to share with you what the Lord has taught me and so many others. If ever there is a day for hope, it's today and we are the ones who are to be filled with anticipation. Will you stand with me, please? Maybe you're here today and you are a Christian, but your life is not filled with hope. You've been depending upon yourself or your stuff or your track record or your relationships or your finances, you look back and you see all of these things are the things that bailed me out. You can't really see Jesus very clearly. Well, today, see Jesus. And make a determination today that it's going to be Jesus that you live your future for. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you and we thank you for the promises that Jesus was born and I thank you for the promise kept that we have been born again in him. Thank you for new beginnings. Lord, in some ways we are grateful for the different trials that we go through, grateful for the brokenness because it's in our brokenness that we look up. It's in our brokenness that we recognize need. It's by our wounds that you free us and heal us through yours thank you Lord for being such a good giver to us thank you for your willingness to come to this place for these people at this time we marvel at you Lord we adore you we admire you we give our life for you in Jesus name we pray
1: If you need help finding or taking your next step, send us a message at hello at myconnectchurch.cc.